Let us worship God. Our first reading this morning is the 23rd Psalm. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have prayed them and carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning, that your word would fall afresh upon us this day. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. God restores my soul. The Holy One leads me in right paths for God's namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. 
Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel reading for today comes from the gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Creator's name testify to me, but you do not believe me, because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my God has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Creator's hand. The Creator and I are one. A more modern sacred scripture comes from St. Mary Oliver, the poet, who wrote this. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. How are we to respond to whole towns destroyed or about to be? To a world that is too often unkind and unwise, to what can never be redeemed. According to Mary Oliver, look for moments when love begins, when joy and plenty suddenly and unexpectedly emerge. Then life still has some possibility left. Psalm 23 says it this way, when going through the darkest valley, we are not alone. We're like sheep tended by a loving shepherd. In that relationship, love begins. The unexpected emerges and life still has some possibility left. 
Now, when our psalm begins, it's all rainbows and unicorns or sheep going by green pastures and still waters. Sheep, however, have an unfortunate tendency to go astray and wander off. They get lost. They lose their way. And when this happens, our text says, the shepherd restores my soul. Now, the Hebrew word for this is shuv, which means to turn around, to be brought back, to repent. We go astray. We live in a world that has gone astray. And we feel at a loss. And God turns us around, brings us back to our souls. How does God do that? How does God turn us around and get us back on track? Often the shepherd does it through fellow sheep. So recently I had the honor of accompanying a local synagogue on a dual narrative tour of Israel-Palestine. And dual narrative means that the entire way we had an Israeli guide and an Arab guide um, through our entire time in Israel and Palestine. We saw all the expected holy sites and some unexpected holy sites like a baby camel riding in the back of a pickup truck and feline pilgrims in Jerusalem. Everywhere in Jerusalem, cats, 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 making their pilgrimage even along the Via della Rosa. Um, they accompanied us for their pilgrimage along our pilgrimage. However, we spent most of our time listening, listening to local people tell their stories. Jews, Palestinians, Muslims, Israelis, Christians, different sheep drinking from the same troubled waters. So we spent one rainy day with a young man who's part of an organization called Breaking the Silence, which is composed of former Israeli soldiers who want to educate other Israelis about their military experience, which has caused them to question the government's treatment of Palestinians. We met him in Hebron, a deeply divided city in the West Bank where a barricaded Israeli settlement exists in the middle of a Palestinian city. So to give you an idea of this, imagine if Market Street was an Israeli settlement protected by the military and all the rest of San Francisco was a Palestinian city. Hebron is not a peaceful place. And our guide warned us for our own safety not to engage anyone who might approach us, confront us, want to talk to us, just to keep moving. And he shared stories about the impact on Palestinians and showed us what used to be the city's vibrant core, which is now just a desolate ghost town. And as he was talking and telling us these stories and showing us these places, a woman started to follow us. And then she took out her cell phone and she started to record our guide and us with her cell phone. And we kept moving. And she kept following us. And eventually she caught up with a few of us and began to speak. She was an Israeli settler and said we had to hear the other side of the story. And she began to tell us about her family 
and about what happened and how an Arab had broken into her father's house and killed him. Although we've been instructed to keep moving, Rabbi Alana, part of our California group, stopped. She listened deeply to the woman, and as she would tell us later, she felt so much compassion for her, she could not do otherwise because this woman was still in such deep pain. And Rabbi Alana said to her, I am so sorry about your father. It breaks my heart. Please know, my dear, that we are hearing other stories like yours all throughout our tour. We are listening to all the stories, including ones like yours. And suddenly the woman softened. She relaxed. She felt heard. And she looked at us and she said, Shabbat Shalom. It was Friday, a blessed and peaceful Sabbath. And she smiled at us and she turned around and she walked away. When we feel lost, hurt, unheard, struggling to find our way through the darkness, our good shepherd meets us in our disorientation, in our pain, hears us and brings us back, returns us to our souls. Sometimes the restoration is sudden. Sometimes it's a long process. But the shepherd never abandons us. And sometimes the shepherd restores us through the kindness of other sheep. When that happens, love begins. The unexpected emerges and life still has some possibility left. Now, halfway through our psalm, we have an unexpected turn in the phrase, for you are with me. And this is the exact center of the psalm. 26 words precede it, 26 words follow it. This is the heart of it, and there's a change, there's a shift. Before this, God the shepherd is spoken of in beautiful third-person language as the one who leads us by green pastures and still waters and restores us. But now, as we begin to enter the dark valley, the psalm shifts to second person. Talking about God becomes talking to God. When life erupts with vile politics, COVID, Ukraine, the Supreme Court, climate disaster, what then? We need more than a God in theory. We need a relationship, a shepherd to whom we can speak directly our hearts, yearnings, and pain and needs, who knows and loves us and who goes with us into the dark valley. And this accompaniment is something that the shepherd does with us, does through us for each other. In parts of Palestine, Palestinian shepherds and farmers are sometimes attacked and their livestock and crops are destroyed with the intention to force them to abandon the area. In Israel, we met with a group called Rabbis for Human Rights. These rabbis and the volunteers they recruit from around the world go into Palestinian lands side by side with Palestinians and form human shields 
so that shepherds can safely tend their flocks. They go into the valley of danger with them. And even more than an act of protection is the clear message. We have your back. You are not alone. We are here with you. In our valleys, the same message from our shepherd. I've got your back. You are not alone. I am here with you. Doesn't necessarily mean we get the outcomes we wish, but we are promised the relationship we need. A shepherd who goes with us and hears our cries. And from that loving relationship, the unexpected emerges. Life still has some possibility left. As our psalm says, as it continues, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, this, this Hebrew verb for follow is radaf. And it's more urgent than, yeah, follow me. It's really pursue me, chase after me, run after me. Goodness and mercy will run after me until they catch up with me. Again, this doesn't mean that all is going to be hunky-dory. It means that moments of grace and joy will arise in unexpected places to bless us, renew us. If we learned anything from our trip, and this is what we heard from every speaker that we met with, Israel, Palestine, every perspective, it was that peace is not going to come through a top-down political decree, but from bottom-up personal relationships. And we witnessed so many unexpected relationships based on this goodness and mercy flowing from God. Early on, we met two fathers, an Israeli named Rami and a Palestinian named Bassam. And they sat side by side on a sofa and told us their stories. Rami is a seventh generation Jerusalemite. He identifies himself as a Jew, an Israeli, and before everything else, as a human being. On the first day of the school year in 1997, Rami's daughter was killed by two Palestinian suicide bombers who murdered five people that day. Bassam lives in East Jerusalem. In 1985, at the age of 17, he was incarcerated and spent seven years in Israeli jails. He went on to study history and holds an MA in Holocaust Studies from the University of Bradford, England. Bassam lost his 10-year-old daughter, Abir, who was killed by an Israeli border policeman right in front of her school. Each could hate the other as a member of the despised group that murdered his daughter. Instead, what happened was these two men came together and they created space within them to hear the other's story, to receive the other's grief. And they discovered that the grief they felt in their heart was the same grief that the other man felt in his heart. Some compassion started to sprout 
And eventually, they came to understand each other. And spending more time together, they became friends, and then best friends, and then brothers. And now their immediate families have bonded together, although their extended families and many of their friends have disavowed them for befriending the enemy. It was so fun to watch them together because they joked together, they laughed together, they finished each other's sentences. Um, they were immensely close. And now they travel throughout the country to high schools, they travel internationally to show what peace can look like. Peace even born of trauma. They show that peace is still possible. In a time when no political solution seems possible, they are doing what they can, doing what they can, listening with their hearts, sharing their stories, transforming their grief, until, another, until enough hearts and minds are turned around, restored, and a larger peace is possible. They even created something called the Parent Circle Family Forum. Over 600 families, Jews and Palestinians, all of whom had immediate family members killed in the conflict, all of whom have built relationships of peace with the other, peace from their pain, peace born of compassion. Goodness pursued them through their grief. Mercy caught up with them and surprised them. It's completely counterintuitive. Yet intuitively, we know it's true. And how do we intuitively know it's true? Because the voice of our shepherd, the voice of our own soul, tells us so. Jesus explains this in our gospel reading. He's talking to some folks who are on a different frequency than he is. They say to him, how long are you going to keep our souls suspended in air? Why don't you just come out and tell us that you think you're the promised one. Jesus replies, you aren't listening with the ears of your soul. Those who do are like sheep who follow a shepherd's voice. They listen with the ears of the heart. They know the shepherd is always with them, that I am always with them. What I'm trying to help you hear, you can't hear unless you listen like sheep to a subtle voice you know as your own, you know as your shepherd, you know as the God in you that is the God in me, that is the God everywhere in everyone. Unless you attune to that frequency, you just won't get it. But when you do, you are never alone. Of course, this doesn't seem to make much sense, given how unmerciful our world seems to be right now. Yet, this is still possible when we attune to Jesus and walk side by side with our good shepherd and sibling sheep 
through dark valleys, life still has some possibility left. When that happens, we know ourselves to be already and always in God's house, God's flock, all one flock. When that happens, compassion and mercy and goodness catch up to us and rush through us to pursue others with compassion and mercy and goodness. When that happens, peace erupts, one healed relationship at a time. And maybe, just maybe, eventually, whole flocks and nations can get their souls back. When that happens, we're talking to God rather than just about God. And everything and everyone starts to shimmer God. Love begins. Hope emerges in unexpected places as ordinary people do what they can to bring some possibility back to life. When that happens, when we're attuned to the voice of our shepherd, talking to our shepherd, walking with our shepherd, walking with each other, when that happens even in the smallest way, as Mary Oliver says, don't hesitate. Give in to it. Don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not made to be a crumb. Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Let us pray. Holy God, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Dear ones, you are the beloved of God, the good shepherd to whom you can talk directly in the darkest valley and in the sunshiniest of days. You are the ones through whom peace will happen. So go in the love of the Good Shepherd, and as you do, may the peace of God, the love of Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen.